Welcome back, holy readers. We've made it to week six, and I'm so proud of you and excited for you. This podcast is going to cover February 5th through 11th, Exodus 39 and 40, Leviticus 1 through 17, Psalm 15, and Acts 12 through 18. That's a lot of reading, but I hope that you're keeping up and that God is speaking to you. So here we are. We've made it to the dreaded Leviticus. So many people give up right here because it's difficult. It's difficult to read and difficult to understand, but I'm hoping to share with you some insights today that'll make it a little bit more palatable. Let's talk about the book structure. So it's divided into chapters 1 through 16, which is the way to access God. And then it's divided into 17 through 27, which is the way we can live for God, those two sections. But overall, there are seven distinct sections in Leviticus, and they go outward to inward, just like the book of Leviticus. You've got um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and working outward to inward, you have Leviticus at the center because it's the most important. And so even Leviticus's structure is similar to where we're going to move from outward to inward. Exodus is where God is to be worshipped, and Leviticus is how God is going to be worshipped. Exodus ends with the glory coming into the tent, and um, Moses can't go in, presumably because of the golden calf sin. And so then Leviticus is how we can get back to God. Remember that these laws are just a continuation of what Moses is receiving on Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. So we're just getting more of a download right here in Leviticus. Eugene Peterson said something beautiful one time that I want to share with you. He said, Genesis um, is the conception of a people. Exodus is the birth of a people at the waters of the Red Sea with Moses, their deliverer, standing there as the midwife. I think that that's glorious. Then you've got Leviticus, which is reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's elementary school. The things that are not fun to learn, but are necessary to grow and mature. Then you've got Numbers, which is adolescence, and then you've got Deuteronomy, which is a full-grown, mature people entering into the promised land. So in these seven sections of Leviticus, let's move outward to inward. On either end, we have rituals, then we have priests, and then we have purity. Right at the center, we have atonement. So the rituals are feasts and sacrifices. Feasts say, um, thank you to God. And sacrifices say, I'm sorry. Then we've got priests that are ordained. And then we've got regulations for the priests because they're God's representatives. And they're called to a higher standard. Then we've got purity, ritual purity and moral purity. And finally, at the center, we have atonement. Let's talk about holiness. Holiness is the theme of this book. It says holy and holiness 150 times in Leviticus. It is the most dense mentioning of the word holy in the entire Bible. And that's because it's the theme. And Leviticus 20, 26 really sums it up here. It says, you are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and have set you apart um, from, from the nations to be my own. That's what holiness means. It means to be set apart. So God talks about so many different facets of life in Leviticus because he wants holiness to affect every area of our life. God wants to be in the midst of everything that we are and everything that we do. So the words impure or unclean, let's talk about that. Sin is not always 
unclean and impure here. That's not necessarily what it means because sometimes it's coming into contact with skin diseases like leprosy or bodily fluids or dead bodies. And if your mother, father, your husband, your child dies, you're going to have to come in contact with a dead body. So that doesn't mean sin, right? It just means impure. And these all represent death, but God is life. And so to be around him and in his presence, we need to be in contact with life. So God, in his mercy, gives us ways to become pure when we are tainted by sin and by death. Um, Romans 6.23 reminds us, For the wages of sin is death, death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, the Day of Atonement is right here at the center. And I, I want to just stress how important this is. The center of the Torah is Leviticus. The center of Leviticus is atonement. So that tells us that somewhere else down the road, atonement is going to be important. And where is that? That is in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the atonement here is just a picture of what he will do in its totality and finality there on the cross. Atonement is here in chapters 16 and 17. So here in these descriptions, we get two goats. One is a sacrificial goat. One is a scapegoat. So the sacrificial goat is killed and its blood is placed on the altar. And remember, life is in the blood. So this animal gives its life for the sins of the people. It gives its blood. And then the other goat, the scapegoat, the priest lays his hands on that and he, he confesses the sins of Israel. And then he sends the sinful goat off, taking the sins out of the camp away from the people. What this should remind us of is Jesus and Barabbas. So Jesus is the son of God, the father. Barabbas means the son of the father, not capital F, but lowercase f. So they're both the son of the father. They're both supposed to be seen as similar. But then Jesus sheds his blood for our atonement to take our place, to pay the price for our sin, and to ultimately cleanse us of our impurity before God. And then Barabbas is sent away in his sin. Isn't that a powerful image? God wants us to find a way back to him. And so he's created Leviticus so that Israel can live in his presence. One more thing I want to note to you is that I mentioned when you touch skin diseases like leprosy, you become unclean, right? According to Leviticus. But in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. This is so powerful. The lepers come to Jesus and say, will you heal me? And Jesus says, of course I will. And he reaches out and he touches the leper. So he should have been unclean by that law. Jesus should have been unclean. But Jesus is God and he is holy. And so when he touches the unclean thing, it's not that he becomes unclean, but the unclean become unclean holy. Y'all, that's powerful. That'll preach right there. Let's talk about Psalm 15. I just want to read it to you because it's a few verses and I think it's wonderful. Psalm 15, Lord, who can dwell in your tent? Who can live on your holy mountain? We should be thinking right here of the Garden of Eden, which they believe was on a mountain. We should be thinking of Moses that was in the tent of meeting and on the holy mountain, Sinai, receiving from God. We should be thinking about us and Mount Zion, where we'll dwell forever. Who can live, Lord? 
It says, verse 2, the one who lives blamelessly, practices righteousness, acknowledges the truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue, who does not harm his friend or discredit his neighbor, who despises the one rejected by the Lord, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keep his, who keep his word, whatever the cost, who does not lend his silver at interest or take a bribe against the innocent, the one who does these things will never be shaken. Friend, if you want to know how to live holy, how to please God, how to be in his presence forever, this is it right here. And when the earth begins to quake and shake, you'll stand there on Christ, the solid rock, and you will not be moved. Acts chapter 12, Peter is freed from prison. I love this narrative because at the end, it mentions John Mark. And this is the same John Mark who wrote the gospel of Mark, Matthew, Mark. Luke and John, same guy. Um, chapter 16 of Acts, this is the beginning of the church at Philippi. So when uh, Paul wrote Philippians, it went back right there to Lydia, to the slave girl who was delivered, to the jailer and his household who were baptized. This is who Paul was writing to in Philippians. And we see the formation right here in Acts 16. And then in Acts 18, it's the founding of the Corinthian church, who later Paul would write his epistles, um, First and Second Corinthians 2. I hope that you're blessed. I hope that God is speaking to you. Keep reading. Join me back here. Write me an email. Let me know if you like it and if you have any questions. God bless and I'll see you next week.